As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show today. And if you uh, have been a regular listener, you'll know that we have not had a new show since about the end of June. I've been off, you know, getting refreshed, rejuvenated, ready for the start of training camp because it's here. (laughs) Let's get real. It's here. And it slapped everybody Right in the face this week uh, to kick things off bright and early Monday morning. The news coming down of the Bills losing a player for the season. And so it begins. But we'll get into a bit of what the Naheem Hines injury means. And I also wanted to take this time because camp begins on Wednesday. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. Camp begins this Wednesday, bright and early. So I want to get into some listener questions. And there's some interesting... Uh, interesting ways of kind of slicing it. You know, by now, everybody has talked about positions that you could be looking at as uh, as training camp nears, and, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. And, and uh, certainly you can read some of the, the bigger picture stuff that I've written by position over at The Athletic uh, that, that came through and posted all throughout the month of July. But the bigger picture stuff, along with some... Uh, a little minutia, I think, is really intriguing as we get ready for uh, a pretty important year to the Bills' overall build and what they're trying to do. And if they can actually get past the Kansas City Chiefs and if they can now get past the Cincinnati Bengals. Trying to wonder what exactly this team is going to look like this year because they have at least to me, a lot more questions heading into this season than they have in a few years now. So that's what makes this training camp so intriguing. And there was one question in particular that that I'm excited to get to. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. But first, I want to kick it off with talking about the Naheem Hines injury. Now, I'm sure by now you've probably seen what happened 
it came down that Hines is expected to miss the rest of the 2000 or the entire 2023 season, all of training camp, and multiple reporters have reported, including Tom Pelissero of NFL uh, of NFL Network, that it was due to a jet ski accident. It was on his left knee, and the surgery being done with Hines is to repair an ACL. So, A, that's frightening. B, you feel for the guy because, you know, that's just especially so close to training camp and gearing up, and he's right in the prime of his career. It's a, that's a tough thing. And I think the Bills had... Slightly higher expectations for Naheem Hines than maybe the general consensus out there. And even if you remember my last episode, which I know was was a few weeks ago. But I put him in the don't sleep on category because just the way it appeared to me in the spring workouts is that maybe there was a little bit more teeth to have him be in a legit competition for those complimentary reps to James Cook. So I think this isn't like an over-the-top meaningful injury because I do think that they can get by without a Naheem Hines, but he does take away a lot of the potential flexibility that they could have in building a roster. They do like to have special teams be a prominent piece to what they're trying to do each and every year. It's always been that way under Sean McDermott. The year that they were really bad at special teams, they uh, they started to really go in on investing in special teams players. And we've seen that unit really get turned around overnight from when they were bad to, you know, the the investments that they made and the coaching that they've that they've, the time that they've put in with all those guys. But part of that is finding players that can kind of do a little bit of both. Chipping in on offense or defense plus the special team stuff. And that's what Naheem Hines was, it was looking like it was trending toward. He looked like he was the odds-on favorite to be both the kickoff and punt returner. Obviously, everyone remembers what he did in the New England game. Basically, it looked like the Patriots were about to come back to win that game and really take over the game. And on two different occasions, he returns a kickoff for a touchdown. And that pretty much cemented what he was to them last season and what his baseline for 2023 would have been. But that goes to the offense point because last year they did not work him in all that much on offense. And I think it's well documented documented at this point that he didn't even get to 100 offensive snaps from the time he was acquired through the playoffs. Didn't happen. Offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey never really found the the mix to get him involved 
the way that maybe Brandon Bean envisioned when they traded for him. But this overhaul of the running back position really started with Naheem Hines and them trading for him. They traded away Zach Moss. They let Devin Singletary walk in free agency. And they bring in a couple of power-based running backs in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Really to have a more versatile skill set based on what type of formation they're in. Because as much as they like James Cook, they know if they're trying to get a tough yardage, tough yardage look with power-based blocking in front of them, and they need a yard and a half, two yards, maybe two and a half yards, James Cook is probably not the battering ram that uh, that they're looking for in that situation. He's just he's a smaller back. That's not really his game. And Josh Allen is someone that they have used in that role almost exclusively because the running backs they had on the roster just wasn't getting the job done. And so they probably will want to take that off his plate a little bit. But it will be tempting because, you know, with Josh Allen, probably a good bet he's going to get the yardage. But they at least gave themselves the option to do it with guys like Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. But that's not their base offense. And this goes to the point, which is why I thought Naheem Hines had a chance, not was definitely going to, but Naheem Hines had a chance to potentially be the number two to James Cook. This is a pass first and sometimes almost pass exclusively offense. Damian Harris, he's not a pass catcher. Look at any of his stops before this one. That's just not his game. Doesn't look comfortable doing it. I mean, he can be a dump down option here or there, but he's not going to get you much. He is a between the tackles runner, and that's where he thrives the most when he's healthy. Latavius Murray is a solid pass catcher earlier in his career. He's now nearing his mid-30s, and he's more of a power-based running back at this point in his career. But Naheem Hines, that's his game. Pass catcher, that's what he was for years with Indianapolis, and the Bills really didn't find that role for him last year. James Cook, that's that's him to a T as well. And I think they like him a lot more as a actual running back than Naheem Hines, which is why I think he is the unquestioned part of the equation here. But it would have been very compelling to see how they would have used all of these guys that they have on their roster. If you told me that Hines would be the 1B to Cook's 1A before this injury, I pr- like like if you were talking to me from future you knowing what happened in the 2023 season, I'd probably be like, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that happening. Just because of the way that they run things 
and how often that they're operating out of shotgun and and want to put the pressure on teams with their passing offense. I mean, the blockers that they have on their team, not really power-based all that much. It's more of a an athletic sort of an athletic sort of feel to the entire offensive line from left to right. And it takes away some of the versatility that they would have from potentially using two running back sets, which they used occasionally. That was his his most often role in 2022, where maybe he would be split out wide with James Cook on the field. Uh, maybe they would bring them both into the backfield at the same time. One of them could be in motion, things like that. That was prevalent, at least earlier, into Hines' tenure with the Bills last year. But that quickly went away once teams showed that they weren't getting fooled by by those looks. So yes, I think this is a loss. I don't think it's a substantial one. And now they have to decide what they're going to be because this could do one of two things. It could put a huge prospective workload on James Cook or it could push one of Damian Harris or Latavius Murray into a more prominent role than they had expected this year. And by the way, I do think that Harris and Latavius Murray, I think they could be duking it out with each other to see who's that main power back. And a lot of it is going to have to do with availability, I'm sure, but... They're two guys that I think that's the focus with them. So here, from here on out, I think it's fair to wonder what this running back room will look like. I think it's also fair to wonder if they're going to add something semi-substantial to the group. Now, I know the first place a lot of you are probably thinking is, Okay, they're going to sign James Cook's brother, Dalvin Cook, because he's still a free agent out there. I mean, I'll never say never. Just because they're in the Super Bowl window, obviously there's a connection in a couple of different ways to, uh, to, to Dalvin Cook, that being his brother and also Stefan Diggs, who played with him in Minnesota. So those things help, but... I don't think that the Bills necessarily want to put themselves in a spot to where they were, they're bringing on more dead cap in future years than they have already. Because there are no more obvious candidates to do it. Or ones that they would just feel good instantly. Like, oh yeah, this... This makes total sense. This guy's going to be here for the long term. Everything like that. So, there are some other ways that they can clear up some cap space. Like if they were to get Taron Johnson to an extension, that could maybe lessen his number a little bit. But outside of that, 
the the price tag on Dalvin Cook would would probably be the biggest thing. So, like I said, never say never, but I would probably think it's more going more to players that have a little bit better of a pass catching acumen. Because to me, I think they want to find out about James Cook. They have gone for many years now, hoping that one of these early round running backs that they that they drafted would pop in that way. Maybe not being a top five player at his position, but at least someone that's better than average to slightly below average, which is what they had been dealing with with the Devin Singletary and Zach Moss years. Did Singletary give them some really nice stretch stretches of games? Yes. That's what, and they knew that they could trust him to be where he was supposed to be, but he's just not an explosive option. He didn't really have any power to his game. Didn't really make uh, people miss with his speed. No, no big playability there. But he was just a, a good baseline back. And I think he's going into a situation in Houston where he can thrive as, as the top backup to you know, an up-and-coming runner. I think that's, that's perfect for his career. I think he's a really good backup. As a starter, I think you'd do better. And the Bills kind of prove that as much by feeling compelled to move on from him. But this is about James Cook. And by bringing in someone like his brother, it would directly take away from the potential that they think this second-year running back has. And it's not a coincidence that Sean McDermott, during the off-season workouts, basically publicly challenged James Cook. Not in the way of saying, you know, he needs to perform or else he's going to lose his job. Nothing like that. But, like, when he said, when he basically said, yeah, he knows, he knows he's he, he's got to bring it this year. He knows that we need him this year. And the only time McDermott does that sort of stuff is when he knows that he's got a younger player likely coming into a prominent role. Think about past examples of this. Shaq Lawson heading into the final year of his deal and where he took a step forward after being a first-round pick for the Bills. Not of the McDermott regime, mind you, but still having that sort of acumen. Deion Dawkins, who was kind of up and down in his first couple seasons, and then his third season after McDermott kind of said, show up and need more. He did, and became what I thought was one of their best, if not their best offensive linemen in his third year, fourth year, fifth year. So now that it's it's on James Cook. So bringing someone in to detract from that potential, I don't know is something that they want to do. And that's why I would look for maybe like the second or third layer of, of backs that could be available. And that brings us to some of the, like the, the second portion of 
the show today because I wanted to get into some listener questions because there was a lot of good ones sent in, even though it's still a creeping out of the dead zone of a, of a non-training camp, non-Bills training camp area. But still some good questions sent in, and few of them piggyback off this Naheem Hines news. For instance, Matthew on Threads wrote in, what do we ex- who do we expect to compete for the uh, return job with Hines being out for the season? So that's one of the pieces of the puzzle here. I don't know that they'll necessarily go outside of the organization for that until they see what they have in guys like Deontay Hardy, who has a lot of return experience. Khalil Shakir, who did it for them a little bit last year before Hines took over. Those would probably be the two main players for me, ones that are likely to make the roster. Outside of that, maybe you can make a case for, I don't even know, Trent Shurfield maybe chipping him, but I just I just see it as those those are the two guys that really stand out to me more than anything because, you know, it gives them one more thing. It allows the Bills to double dip a little bit here with someone who can contribute on offense and be a, a core special teams contributor. And they don't have to feel bad about using another roster spot on, on a player like that. So that's probably where I'm leaning on that one, Matthew. Uh, the next question comes from <laughs> SnackZaddy9 on Twitter. All right, SnackZaddy. Good to hear from you. He writes, If the Bills go to free agency for a Heinz replacement, who is the most likely candidate for them to bring in? I thought a bit about this, and it's humorous in a way because of how this whole situation kind of ended. But if you told me the Bills go out and sign J.D. McKissick to a one-year veteran minimum contract... I would not be surprised at all. It's exactly the sort of player that would fit what they're looking for. He is someone who they targeted. Obviously, before some injury stuff this past year that that, uh, made the commanders release him. But still, could be one of those kicking of the tires situations where the Bills clearly showed interest before and it's the archetype of player that they would be targeting in this situation that most closely identifies with what they're losing in Naheem Hines. And it could be a a shot for him to make the team. And if it doesn't go as well, they can always throw him on the practice squad as a as a veteran, a vested veteran, where he doesn't have to clear waivers. And then they can kind of have their cake and eat it. So that's one name that I would at least ponder. 
haven't really done a deep dive on like the the next tier, the XFL guys, anything like that. But that's the one the one player that I'm like, huh, free agent still had interest before. Makes sense from a roster perspective. They could probably find a way to get him on the 53-man roster as long as he proves he's he's ready to go. So yeah, I, w- I would say J.D. McKissick is the one that stands out the most to me. So that's why there's a lot of different elements here. And um, the last one I'll get to that's related to Naheem Hines is co- comes from Mark David on Twitter who writes... Is there any chance the Bills land, as Brandon Bean would say, a big ticket item at running back? And I think this kind of goes back to the Dalvin Cook point a little bit. Because although Dalvin Cook in 2023 is not the same player as he was two, three years ago, it would still kind of have that feel to it just because of the name recognition and obviously fantasy football plays into it. He was an absolute stud for for the Vikings um, from a fantasy football perspective. People know him a lot more people than just, you know, the regular NFL fans because of that. But it comes back to how they feel about James Cook and the potential that he has. And to me, if you, I would not rule out him being in a 55 to 65% of snaps role because I think they like him that much. I think the reason that they would go for a big ticket item at running back is if Cook proves himself at some point this summer or early in the season to be incapable of handling the job and becoming that player that they hope he can be. While I was uh, on my off time, The Athletic ran this, uh, this story of asking each one of the beat writers that, that work for the company to identify a potential breakout candidate on the roster. Mine was very easy. I said James Cook because the belief is there. The role is there. He showed flashes of it last year. Does he need to get better in some areas? Yes. He needs to be more consistent with his vision. Ball security needs to be a a bit more consistent. And quite frankly, he needs to stop falling down when he doesn't have to. (laughs) That happened. Didn't happen a ton, but there was potential for some bigger plays that you know, the old turf monster kind of got him a couple times. And I think even Stefan Diggs mentioned something about that at some point last year. But the rest of the formula is there for a potential breakout candidate. Maybe not in the sense of, like I said, top five running back, maybe not even top 10, but like you get a running back that's somewhere between 11 to 15 on this offense, you're in a pretty good spot. So. I'll say to be continued on that big ticket item, Mark David, but for now, I think they're in a good spot, or at least they think so with James Cook, as long as he's healthy and continuing to show those flashes that he showed last year in a more prominent sense 
as as he looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Starts to move toward that that top role at at uh, running back. Okay, let's switch gears and go away from the running back position. We've kind of exhausted the Naheem Hines, James Cook, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray kick kick return punt return element. So let's go to some other listener questions. The first one is a really fun one. It comes from Brad on Twitter, who said, "How many?" blue chip players do the bills have on their roster right now and who will slash should perform at that level robert mays did a podcast saying you need seven-ish blue chip players with some red chip players to win a super bowl do the bills have enough and by all means if you don't listen to my colleague robert mays uh on the athletic football show please do so does a great job him and nate tice they're awesome Great show, very thought-provoking, and this is exactly the type of type of thing that that comes from that. So, to answer your question, Brad, going through the roster, I see four definite blue chip prospects or blue chip players, I should say. Josh Allen, the no-brainer. Von Miller, when healthy, the no-brainer. He was awesome last year. Matt Milano absolute no-brainer he is an excellent excellent player one of the best linebackers in the league how much longer will he be able to play at this high level that's a question for another day but in 2023 he should be a really really solid piece for them and a blue chip player and the other one is Stefan Diggs who is still one of the best receivers in the game so that's Four definite to me. And then to me, I think there's a bucket of players that can be in that blue chip category depending on their performance this year. And I'm not not putting a lot of younger players in this distinction because I think that's a different that's a different uh, distinction entirely because those guys with potential that could do it. 
I'm more in the camp of players that have shown that they can potentially be a blue chip player based on past performance, but there are some questions surrounding them this year. I will say I do have one younger player in this group. The only one of that is Greg Rousseau because the way that he played before his his injury last year, I thought he was on pace to be potentially become that that blue chip player. But kind of cut short and then once he got back from the injury, Von Miller was gone. I think it was just a really tough combination of trying to battle back from a high ankle sprain without your top flight pass rusher on the other side of the ball. So it was a kind of a combination of things, but I would put Rousseau in this bucket of players that could shift up into that blue chip territory. The other guys I would throw in this are Deion Dawkins, who I thought took not a big step back last year, but I don't think it was the type of season that he has that people have come to expect from him. He was still good, just wasn't that great locked in. You knew that Josh Allen would mostly be good from from the pass blocking of Deion Dawkins, a left tackle. Just thought he took a minor step back as left tackle, and he can that could become the anomaly, and he could get back to what he had done in 2021 and 2020. And even 2019, when when he finally took a big step forward as a third-year player. So he's in this bucket for me. Same thing with Mitch Morse. I think Mitch Morse can be in that blue-chip territory. But there are some hang-ups with his run blocking from time to time uh, when it's more in more of a power-based setup. And I do wonder how often they'll run that now with the prevalence of Damian Harris and Latavius Murray there. So those are two offensive linemen that are kind of there. Then on the defensive side, I think Ed Oliver, to me, is right in that bucket of guys that can absolutely become a blue chip player this year. Shows definite flashes of it throughout his games. He's probably the one, one of two that I was closest to putting in the blue chip category. And the other one being cornerback Tredavious White. And the only reason he's not in blue chip right now is because we didn't see that player last year because he was coming back from the injury. I have, from what I saw once he began to get comfortable, I don't have a lot of doubt that he'll get there to become that fifth for sure blue chip player that you're talking about, Brad. But I don't feel comfortable with putting him there until we see it. And then past that, you have guys who are maybe a little bit more on the fringe, like the two safeties, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, both really stinking good players, both nearing the end of their career. And I wonder if they can still be depended on to be blue chip players in 2023. And then Taron Johnson is the other one that I think has the potential to get there. Now, if you're looking at this from... All the players that I just listed, the vast majority 
are on the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned two offensive linemen, and I didn't really... I included them just because I think they could, but I I have my doubts that they'll get to that blue chip level. Which means, yet again, there's just going to be a lot of emphasis on Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Now, for them, it would be great if, like, say, a Dalton Kincaid comes in there and has this absolute huge uh, impact as a rookie, but that's that's tough. That's tough to expect, especially because this is a Bills regime that has been extremely hesitant to put too much on their rookie players. It could be to a bit of their to their detriment to their program's overall sustainability past this current stage that they're in, but they're not with that yet. So it's just t- kind of tough to expect Kincaid. I will say Kincaid definitely showed a good rapport with Josh Allen during the spring, and I think that's helpful. But I do want to see it consistently. When pads are on in a training camp setting when Josh Allen has all the all the players he wants to to be able to throw to. So yeah, it's it it might be a slight concern that there's not a ton of offensive pieces in that equation. That said, for a pass-first team, having a quarterback and wide receiver being the two locked-in ones, that's huge. Absolutely huge. So I think they can get to that seven-ish blue-chip players, Brad. And they and there are enough there to where there could be a handful of, of red-chip players that I listed. They need three or four guys to if if uh, this formula is true, and you know I think Robert Mays has a great football mind and he really knows his stuff, and I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. So if they can get three or four of those guys that I listed to move into that blue chip territory, then then yeah, I think I think they would have enough to. Uh, win a Super Bowl, but all depends on it all coming together. You need a combination of luck with injuries, timing of injuries, guys hitting their prime at the right time, just a lot of uncontrollables to somehow get to not only making it to a Super Bowl, but winning one. So that was a fun question. Thank you for that one, Brad. All right, next up is Jack on Twitter writes, how safe is Ken Dorsey's job exactly? Really going for the hard hitters here. Um, I'll put it like this. And I think if you have listened to the show, if you have read my work, you'll know that I believe the Ken Dorsey element to the 2023 seasons, 2023 season is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, variables of the entire year. I thought it was last year because they go from Brian Dable who has tons of experience to a first-time offensive coordinator. And that's not detracting from Dorsey's overall breadth of knowledge. But there's just a certain 
thing to be said about experience. And going into that high profile of a role in that high profile of a season where they're Super Bowl betting favorites, it's a tough ask. So here's how I'll, how I'll put uh, his, his job, Jack. I don't think he's in any imminent danger. I think it is slightly, I don't know, it, it's, it would be expecting of the worst to say that, that he is in imminent danger. I think they will give him the time to figure, to figure out what works best within his play calling scheme, within with the players that he has, and time to iron this out because they obviously believed in him. There's another layer at play with Josh Allen handpicking Dorsey to be the offensive coordinator because of the relationship that those two had. And that's important to them. And I was as we've mentioned on the show multiple times, what uh, Josh Allen thinks has some weight within the organization and probably should since he's their guy. He's their main guy. So I don't think it's imminent. I think if they really start to struggle and this thing kind of tips and we see the offense being stagnant as they were at times late last season, the record isn't there. They need some some good vibes being inserted into uh, into the program. I wonder if that's the first move. I mean, because you look at what they have now. There's no more Leslie Frazier. It's now Sean McDermott's defense. Sean McDermott is not going to fire himself. I mean, Matthew Smiley is there as the special teams coordinator, but I highly doubt that they're going to look at special teams being the thing that kind of gives them the push. So if there was, of all the options of the coordinators, if there was a power ranking of ones that would go first, Ken Dorsey would be at the top of the list. But like I said, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think he needs to prove some things. And he needs to prove that they can be a consistent offensive dynamo with one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best wide receiver wide receivers in the league. An up-and-coming running back, potentially. Some intriguing pieces at receiver to surround Stefan Diggs with. And an upgraded offensive line, because that's what it is. Connor McGovern is better than what Roger Saffold was at his, at his that point in his career last year. Osiris Torrance was brought in. I don't know if he's going to start. Maybe he takes the job from Ryan Bates. Maybe he doesn't. But it's got to all come together. So, no hot seat. No minute danger. I think it's a situation to monitor six to eight weeks in the season to see where the bills are from a record perspective 
how the offense is looking and perhaps maybe the tone inside the building is there frustration things like that it's a it's a very nuanced thing so but it, i would expect them fully to give dorsey a good shot at this thing because they want him to succeed because they believe in his mind they believe in the relationship between dorsey and allen allen believes in dorsey so just kind of tuck it in the back pocket and we'll pull that card and and reconvene in like october or november all right last uh couple questions they're kind of quicker hitters Mitch on Twitter writes, what home game are you most looking forward to or find the most intriguing on the Bills' schedule? I think I'm going to go with the Giants game. Brian Dable's return, it's a night game. I mean, his first time being a head coach in the stadium that he kind of grew up in, also the stadium that helped him get to the pinnacle of his profession, which is being a head coach. And a really good one, mind you. Just a, and just two roster, two playoff teams. They don't play each other all that often. There's obviously the connection there because the Giants are taking a lot of Bills players. Their GM is one of Brandon Bean's best friends and someone that Bean has worked with for a long time, dating back to their days in Carolina. Formerly the Bills assistant GM, Joe Shane I'm talking about. Just a lot of intrigue there between uh, between those two franchises because you know the Giants are trying to do what the Bills did in their build, and then there's the interpersonal aspect to it. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one. Just also, I think it's gonna be a, a good uniform combo game, and I know similar colors on both, but. I don't know. I think I think the two uniforms are really going to pop, which is especially in a night game under the lights. There's just a lot of different elements. I think it, it's it's kind of an earlier game, so odds are these players will be healthy. A lot more of the players will be healthy, I should say. Potential for Von Miller maybe making his debut that week after the Bills get back from London. I don't know. There's there's some cool elements to it that uh, that I think uh, that makes that one kind of stand out to me. All right, and the last question I'll have is Andrew on Twitter, who writes, How disappointing is it for you that this will be the first camp in a while without a same-name Puntapalooza? You know what, Andrew? It was a really good run. It was a really good run. The pinnacle was the Corey versus Corey versus Kari. Puntapalooza, if you'll remember fondly, it was Corey Bajorquez versus Corey Carter versus Kari Vedvik, who is a kicker slash punter. That quickly got reduced to Bajorquez versus Carter. And the two Corys were spelled differently. So it helped the hashtag. But yes, I don't think there will be a Puntapalooza this year. I think there is a somewhat decent chance it returns in 2024 though if it's the same name Puntapalooza again the streak will continue but yeah it's we're going to take the year off from from Puntapalooza 
reassess, and get back to it for 2024 maybe. But if you think that I will not be out at practice tracking hang times and yardage and in preseason games, you, my friends, are mistaken. Because I am weird. (laughs) And that's, that's pretty much all there is to it. All right. So that's going to do it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for jumping back into the Buffalo Beat with me. The uh, The Bills will have their first training camp practice on Wednesday morning. We'll hear from Sean McDermott in the morning. We'll hear from Brandon Bean in the afternoon. Get the first practice, see how it goes, get some news on maybe who starts the year on injury lists and all of that good stuff, and figure out how the early part of camp is going to look. So we will... Get back with you on a new episode, maybe next week, kind of wrapping up what we saw, you know, unless something huge happens and we need to do more of an emerge pod. Probably get back while taking in the first handful of practices and starting to get a real sense of of uh, what the Bills could be looking at as, as camp kind of goes on. So again... Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. Bill's training camp gets underway on Wednesday. If you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. Get a subscription to The Athletic to read all my training camp notes and basically everything else that we do to cover the Bills and Sabres and every other league over at The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. All right, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you after a few days go by in camp. We're close. Talk to you then. 